if you could have it all your way, if you could wave a magic wand and kind of get your version of life to come true, I think the first step would be figuring out how do you become the best version of yourself? Because mm -hmm. you're going to find someone to share your life with, but who are you sharing with them? Are you sharing like the shitty, overwhelmed, exhausted, frantic, depressed, uh, anxious, nervous version of you that couldn't figure it out for yourself, which is fine. It's part of life. Or yeah. have you done the inner work? Have you figured out how to calm your mind? Have you figured out how to find peace in, in being who you are? Have you figured out who you are, what you like and what you don't like? Have you figured out what your life is about, the mission you want to connect to, the vision you have for who you are and what you want to achieve? Have you become the best version of yourself? Hmm. Can you sit in the mirror and know that these three buckets are filled. And this is how I tell people to judge if they've done the work or not. If you look, if you go in the mirror, look yourself straight in the eyes and ask the question, am I enough? And then sit with it and listen, listen to what your heart says. Listen to what your brain says. Listen to what you know, God in the universe speaks to you. Hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Thank you to Tracy down at Tranquil Turn Massage in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Look, my wife and I, we see Tracy and her team every single month for a couple's massage, and it is the best thing. Tracy is a master massage specialist and a Hanu Ashiatsu trainer. You need to reach out to Tracy and her team. Make sure that you tell them that I sent you, and you'll get 25 bucks off your next massage. Also, while you're there, check out CDA Brows, Body, and Ink. Make sure to tell Tracy that I sent you, and you'll save 100 bucks on your next tattoo brows and plasma tightening services. <laughs> Derek, you're a husband, you're a father, best-selling author, coach, speaker, you're the founder of Performance Coach University, High Performance Ventures, and so much more. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I, I, like, to, I like to kick things off by going back a bit. Like, where did you grow up? What was childhood like for you? Um, I grew up in San Diego, so little tiny beach town right near the water, people surfing every day yoga, relaxing. Um, my wife and I actually figured out we've moved a lot. We've lived in Miami Beach, San Francisco, San Diego. Uh, we're currently uh, building a house in South Africa down on a game reserve there. We live in Puerto Rico right now. We lived in Tampa, all over. <laughs> and we, we thought about it. And what we realized is we love living where people think of going on vacation. Yeah. And the, the reason is, I remember I did an interview when we were in San Diego. We went on the boardwalk and we asked people, what's a dream you've given up on? And mm -hmm. we probably asked 20 or 30 people on a Wednesday, somewhere around noon, out on the boardwalk, what's a dream you've given up on? And I've never met more people who are stumped by the question. Wow. And we went back inside and we're like, did people not give up on their dreams here? Like, what's wrong with these people? Like, everyone has something they wanted to do that they never did. Yeah. None of them could even think of something they've given up on. Wow. And what we laughed, the conclusion we came to is, anyone who's on the boardwalk in San Diego at 12 noon on a Wednesday is kind of living the damn dream. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah. we were laughing, and we looked at each other, and we're like, how cool is that? I love people like this. Yeah. And and they weren't all famous and rich and billionaires and all this stuff, but my God, they were living life. And and we sat down and took out a pen and paper and we're like, where are the places we've loved living the most? And when we cross-referenced all of them, 
there were places where people just moving there was part of their dream in life. Just being there physically was part of their dream. Now, the neat part is that's so many places, especially now that COVID's happened in the world, the dream of where people want to live has totally changed. Right. And so rewinding back to where I grew up, I kind of grew up in a dream little surf town um, where you don't realize this when you're a kid, but when you get older and look at how expensive it is to live there, you're like, damn, all these people figured some shit out in life. Right. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> or bought at the right time before it actually grew. Right. Um, but it's that piece. So I, I grew up in a little town, lots of surfers, lots of people, most of my friends, parents, um, you know, hardworking people, they built businesses, they, they found their way in life, um, or they bought early and their family had houses there. Uh, but they're people who love that kind of relaxing, calm, beachy vibe. And what's funny, that's something that's threaded through no matter where we've lived in the world. We've always found that same collection of people. Yeah. Wow. I was actually just in San Diego just two weeks ago, and I live in Coeur d'Alene now, which is kind of the touristy town, like you mentioned. A lot of people come up yep. here and being in San Diego on vacation with my wife and my two kids, it was so relaxing to be on the beach there at Coronado beach. We spent a, you know, quite a bit of time in, we caught a Padres game with the Lego land at the zoo thing, all that fun stuff. But, uh, we, San Diego is, is one of those special places for sure. For us, once we hit that beach, it was like, Oh, and now it's time to relax a little bit. You know, <laughs> it's very cool. It's very cool. You used to be so laid back. There was actually a family, the Ecky family that owned the majority of the land or a ton of land in North County. And then I met a guy, I actually rented an apartment from him from years when I was younger. Um, his mom bought, I think, 12 houses in Mission Beach when they were 40000 a piece. Wow. And everyone told her she was insane. She just <laughs> threw away her money because there's no way that sandbar is going to hold up all those years. It's definitely a big wave is going to come through and just wash all those houses away. And it, it was interesting just seeing someone who is willing to take a risk and someone who is willing to have a vision. And, you know, she lived her life and had all the houses. She passed away and her son inherited all those houses. And it was neat. And I was like, what do you think of your mom's vision? She's like, it's working out. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. The houses are still here. And, and now each one of them is worth millions. And they were 40000 a piece back in the day. Wow, man. What, what Talk about vision. That's huge. I love that. Uh, you know, giving back is, is a big thing for you. As I was reading through your website, you work with a lot of charities and nonprofits from Pencils of Promise, Restless Development, Change Heroes, Make-A-Wish, Anthony Robbins Foundation there. Why is giving back so important for you? I think it's fun. I, yeah. I think it's one of those things. So I started off my, my first, well, my second job. My first job was security at Blockbuster Video. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. I was 14. I was 5'7", 225 pounds. I was just a huge kid. Yeah. And at 14, I wanted a job so I could save money to get a car and stuff. And and I remember I went to go work there and they're like, well, you're too young to work to register legally, um, but you could be security. <laughs> I was like, well, that's awesome. okay. And so uh, th luckily theft went down by over 60% within 30 days of me starting. So Come on. I, I just walked the aisles of Blockbuster on Friday and Saturday nights for four hours and apparently scared away the kids who were stealing the, the DVDs. That's amazing. Uh, but my first actual job was in a nonprofit and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I was like, wow, we get paid to help people. This yeah. is awesome. And, and we get to find people who actually have real problems they're facing and, and big challenges in life and then figure out supportive programs we can build and put together to help them actually conquer those challenges and figure out how to navigate those stuck points at, at their point in life. And 
So we worked with homeless, we worked with the prison population, we worked with youth, we worked with all kinds of groups that were challenged in different ways. Um, and it was so cool. The only mm. part I didn't like about it is how much money we were paid to do it. I was like, this sucks. We're actually making society a better place and we get paid pennies. Mm. I'm like, what a mess. Fast yeah. forward. Um, one of my friends actually, he, he did the opposite. He went to Wall Street and he did a, I'm going to call it a semester at Bain and Co. Okay. And after a few months, he realized it was not his mission in life to, to work in that type of organization. And he asked for a sabbatical. They granted it. He took 25 bucks, started a nonprofit called Pencils of Promise. And now they've built over 600 schools around the world, educating tens of thousands of children every single day and done this amazing work. Wow. And I remember I sat down with Adam. He wrote the forward to my book, actually. He's a really, really brilliant human. But I sat down with Adam and, and I looked at it. And I'm like, this isn't, I mean, it's technically a 501c3 nonprofit, but, but the way you run it is very different. Mm -hmm. You don't run it like a standard nonprofit where, you know, we're constantly begging for someone's kind heart to help us out to get across the next target goal. Yeah. Um, he, he, he drew something that was brilliant. He, he drew one big circle and another big circle disconnected. And he drew like a, a brain or someone thinking in one circle. And he said, we need the, the, the intelligence of Wall Street and the systems, the organization, like the machine of the business over here. And he's like, but we need the heart of people who are, who are making a massive impact in the world. And he mm. says, the business model underneath this is blending those two together. And he said, he took that little Venn diagram in the middle and drew a lineup. And he said, we call this a four-purpose organization. Uh, come on. And I was like, okay, I've never heard of this. Yeah. What is it? And he said, a four-purpose organization is an organization that makes a highly profitable service or, or, or product in the world that delivers insane value on its own, but then takes this massive mountain of profitability it's created because it runs a lean organization very intelligently, takes this massive amount of profit it's, it's created and reinvests it in the people and projects that matter in the world. Mm. And I was wow. like, this dude is speaking my language. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is cool. Because there's the old version of profitability where everyone squeezes their profit so the boss can buy a new another Lambo. Sure. <laughs> That's cool. Good for him or her or whoever. Cool. Yeah. But at some point, that doesn't do it for most of us. Um, I always call that conquering your first mountain. So your first mountain is what, what I can get from life. Hmm. I want to get a Lambo. I want to get a jet. I want to get a house. I want to get... Uh, better clothes or whatever you want to get. And and we all assume by getting those things, it's going to magically make our life better. And I, I call that stuff, you know, scaling the mountain. So you set a target, which is to get to the peak. You work and work and work and work and work and work and hike and hike and hike and navigate and figure out the ups and downs. And, you know, you got roadblocks and boulder falls and land spills and all kinds of stuff. But you finally get to the peak of the mountain and there's really only three things waiting for you. Thin air. Mm. <laughs> it's what exists at the top of mountains. Even yep. Everest, doesn't matter. It's thin air. A nice view. You're like, wow, look how amazing it is here. This is incredible. A feeling of accomplishment. <sighs> we did it. Oh my God. Like that was so challenging, but my gosh, we did it. And that's it. You can't mm. live at the peak of the mountain. There's nothing there. Yeah. Just a moment. And you can't stay there forever. You can stay there for a little bit. But I mean, imagine getting to the peak of Everest and being like, I'm going to stay here for two months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you, you enjoy it briefly. And then there's, I guess, a fourth thing, a walk back down. 
Right. And then you got to stand there and go, now what? What's yeah. the next thing I'm going to go after? And you go do it. And we repeated, we repeat this process, whether it's finding the person you want to spend your life with or trying to get in the best shape of your life or trying to build your business or trying to be a great father or husband or mom or, or sister or, or whatever it is you're after. But it's something. We set our targets on it. We hike and hike and hike till we get there. Three things and a walk back down waiting for you. At hmm. some point in our life, though, <laughs> we ask a question, which is, is this all there is? Like, is, is this the purpose of life? Is this what I'm going to do the rest of my life? I'm just going to keep hiking another mountain. Yeah. Or is there something more? Stuff like COVID, a near-death near, near accident, uh, loss of a loved one, some of these moments that just shake your soul or bring you to your knees, mm -hmm. knock you off that first mountain, and you recalibrate. You look back at it and go, huh. Why did I want that in the first place? What did I think it was going to give me? How did I think it was going to make me feel? How did I think it was going to evolve me as a human being? Or who did I think I was going to become in society by achieving this? At some point, we question it. We go through this incredibly motivating and inspirational place called the Valley of Despair, uh, where we, we think it through and try to contemplate the purpose of life. People call this a midlife crisis sometimes. <laughs> yeah. People call it a quarter-life crisis for our younger people who are getting there more quickly, where they're questioning, like, what is life really about? What do I want to do with my life? And, and you know, it's the challenge. Do you have the guts to actually go do the thing you want to do? Mm -hmm. I've, I've had the privilege of working with a lot of people in corporate environment where they're trying to make corporate into their lifestyle business. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're trying, you know, I'm only going to clock in and clock out and I'm working remotely and, you know, screw meetings, get rid of all those, just email me and I'll answer on my own time. They're trying to make a lifestyle business, but they don't have the guts to go do it. Mm, yeah. It's like, wow. if you really want a lifestyle business, have the guts to go build your business and it'll Come be on. hard. It's a, it's a big ass climb up that mountain. But if you make it, you get to decide how, what, when, and where. Yeah. And that's wow. a very, very free moment. Mm -hmm. And so... At some point, though, even if you make it to conquer the lifestyle business or conquer the financial freedom targets and you worked your way up the corporate ladder and got the, the partner title and the big bank account, you've invested enough money so you never have to work again. At some point, I think one of my favorite quotes from Jim Carrey is, I wish everyone would be rich and famous and have everything they ever thought they wanted so they can realize it ain't it. Hmm. Yeah. It's one of my Come favorite on. quotes. Get I wish you would have everything you say you want because you realize it ain't the magic. Yeah. And so the magic is the second mountain. And the second mountain is what you can give back to life. Yeah. And so when you talk about why is giving back important, not everyone gets to find that mountain. Some people never make it off their first mountain. Like, I don't mm. know about you, but I've met people who are 60, 70, 80 years old that you just meet. I, I call them a man boy. Okay. It's like a boy that never became a man. They're just stuck in an old body. Yep. Same thing goes with women. They, and they have term, Peter Pan syndrome. They have all these terms for it. <laughs> the person who never grew up, the person who never found their second mountain. Mm -hmm. I'll say it a different way. It's a person who never found any meaning beyond themselves. Yeah. Wow. Man, that's so good. That's so good. I think I, I've ran into a lot of those uh, boy mans or man boys before and, and still Girl around. And I don't know. I yeah. don't know how to label them nowadays. <laughs> it's just someone who never grew up. Yeah. And growing up isn't age. Growing up is when you find purpose beyond yourself. Yes. Come on. Oh, so good. 
you know, one of the, the things, and this ties into a lot what you just talked about there was the things you're working on is this core four challenge, which core four being health relationships, career, and wealth. Like what is that challenge? Why those four are, why are those four so important and how do folks get involved in that challenge? Um, so that challenge isn't live yet. We're, we're holding on it. We have a few other projects that popped up and my wife and I promised each other that we know how many projects can be live at any one time. <laughs> totally. and, and if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. Yep. Um, but I'm passionate about bringing this one to life. So as soon as I check off one of our current projects, I'm going to bring this one to life. And it's just looking at kind of a journey that mm. people go through. And there's no right order. Uh, people message me and they're like, oh, if I went out of order, am I going to be okay? And I'm like, there's no right order. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but if you could have it all your way, if you could wave a magic wand and kind of get your version of life to come true. I think the first step would be figuring out how do you become the best version of yourself? Because mm -hmm. you're going to find someone to share your life with, but who are you sharing with them? Are you sharing like the shitty, overwhelmed, exhausted, frantic, depressed, uh, anxious, nervous version of you that couldn't figure it out for yourself, which is fine. It's part of life. Or yeah. have you done the inner work? Have you figured out how to calm your mind? Have you figured out how to find peace in, in being who you are? Have you figured out who you are, what you like and what you don't like? Have you figured out what your life is about, the mission you want to connect to, the vision you have for who you are and what you want to achieve? Have you become the best version of yourself? Hmm. Can you sit in the mirror and know that these three buckets are filled? And this is how I tell people to judge if they've done the work or not. If you look, if you go in the mirror, look yourself straight in the eyes and ask the question, am I enough? And then sit with it and listen, listen to what your heart says, listen to what your brain says, listen to what, you know, God in the universe speaks to you. Are you enough? Second, am I loved enough? Hmm. Am I enough? Am I loved enough? And the third for us achievers. Do you have enough? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. And listen. Listen. Listen to how you really feel and figure out what work needs to be done. Because if, if you, I've, I've yet to meet a human being who says, I am enough, I have enough, and I'm loved enough. And then they go do shitty things to other humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't met a single one that all three buckets are filled and they're out creating chaos. Right. But I have met lots of people who feel like they're not enough, they don't have enough, and they're not loved enough, and then go take it out on other people because they feel like shit on the inside themselves. Mm. Yeah. And so have you done the inner work yourself? Have you filled up those three buckets? And P.S., it doesn't go away because you get more money. I met billionaires who don't feel like they have enough. My God, I was listening to an interview by Ray Dalio. This dude has the largest hedge fund in the world, $168 billion hedge fund, has a $14 billion net worth. Wow. And he was talking about, either on the interview or his book, he was talking about even with the money he has, he doesn't have enough to make a real true dent in societal issues and changing you know, the world in a better way. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, Ray, if you have $14 billion and you think like you don't have enough, my God, I'm screwed. <laughs> And I realized it wasn't about money. Yeah. I met a young girl named Kayla Haber. I actually crossed paths with her on Instagram. It was one of those weird things where I was like scrolling. And then all of a sudden I hit an image and I was like, damn, wow. And I just saw a girl that would get like, wow. 
holy crap. And, and I couldn't take my eyes off the photo and I sat there for a while. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And I read the caption and, and it was a picture of her with her glasses on with two thumbs up with the biggest smile I've ever seen on anyone's face. And she had stitches straight down the middle of her chest, tubes coming out of different parts of her body. She had just got done with her second double lung transplant and her second open heart surgery to drain the fluid that was backed up in her heart from the lung surgery. But she looked like the happiest damn person I've ever seen in my life. Come on. I'm like, I got to, I have to interview her. Yeah. <laughs> like, catch me up. How did you land up here? <laughs> she Come told on. me the whole story. It's on our podcast, um, what the world needs more of. And it was just a wonderful conversation. I was in tears halfway through it. Um, her husband is a, Brian is a wonderful, wonderful man. I interviewed both of them separately. And he said on his episode, the biggest smile I've ever seen on my wife's face. I wish I could say it was our wedding day, but I'd be lying. He said, the biggest smile I've ever seen on my wife's face was the day after she woke up from her double second double lung transplant. After the open heart surgery, she came out, she had a tube down her throat, helping her breathe. They were removing stuff and asking her questions. And she was writing on a little board, her answers and turning it around to show the doctor because she couldn't talk yet. And he just looked at her and she was beaming with joy. Her mm -hmm. eyes were bright. Her smile was massive. And she scribbled on the board and it turned around. And when she turned it around, the board said, I can breathe. Wow. Wow. And I asked her, I said, what was that like? And she said, it's the greatest feeling I've ever had in my entire life to be able to take a breath on my own will to choose to breathe without needing a machine to help me stay alive. Mm -hmm. And I got done with that interview and I was like, well, crap, what does having enough mean? Yeah. And I was like, my God, if the heart's beating, even with a pacemaker, I mean, if I'm alive and I can breathe and, and experience life, I have more than enough to have a great life. Mm -hmm. And it takes those moments of recalibration where that bucket becomes overfull. Yeah. But it's those pieces. So I am enough. I have enough. I'm loved enough. Can you become your best self? Fast yep. forward. Once you're your best self. I spent five years researching and studying relationships before I met my wife in the last 10 years practicing together. What does it take to have a great partnership? There's, there's lots of people who figured out how to teach mainly guys, girls now too, Matthew Hussey, these people, how to, how to date. And so I've, I've separated. If you draw a line down the middle, there's procreation and then there's partnership. Mm -hmm. Procreation is how to go get that person that you feel so drawn and excited about. Partnership is choosing to have a lifelong partnership with someone that you both choose to show up every day. And it's a conscious choice to be part of it. You choose to be partners every day. Yeah. And you choose to do the work. And so that second piece is, can we help you learn how to be a great partner? Can we help you learn how to find a great partner? And can, when you, can we help you nail down and map out what partnership really looks like day in and day out and the work you need to both be committed to do. Hmm. So you're your best self, happy, healthy, strong, and fulfilled. You found someone amazing to share your life with. You're choosing to be partners every day. The third step, I like the freedom of owning a business, but not everyone has the guts to do it. Um, so we split it. We split it into career and productivity. So even if you're working in a big company or a corporation, how do we help you get more done in less time? How do we help you plan your vision and be ultra productive and get the most out of every moment of your day is what we settled on. We have a separate program for business owners. Um, but, but 
productivity, career, how do we amplify? How do we help you find more purpose and more joy and more meaning in your career? Because um, otherwise it just feels like you're dead sludging through life every day, waiting for the top clock to tick so you can get the hell out of there. How do we yeah. help you find joy and meaning and purpose in it? Um, and then once you figured that out, the fourth one is, you know, the, the million or hundred million or billion dollar question is, you, is you're starting to make some money through your career, through your life. What do you do with it so that at some point you don't have to work for money, but money works for you? So how do we help you with a money mindset, uh, you know, a money machine where you make your money, where you create wealth in your life and then money multipliers? What are the, the pillars and the rules of where to put it so that it can continue to grow and multiply and earn for you? So that at some point you don't have to work for money, but money works for you and you get your, your freedom to go do whatever you want every day. Come on, man. Those are awesome. I love that. And I wanted to touch base because uh, you made a post uh, recently about compromising it with, you know, being in your mar marriage and you've been married for. I, I hate I, the word compromise. I know, right? <laughs> if I did my research right, I think you've been married for almost 10 years, right? Yeah. A and like, I'm just curious, like, what's that key tip that you think is, has made your marriage so successful? Us choosing to be partners every day. Mm. Both of us do the work. Yeah. Um, and and it, it's interesting at this stage, ten, you know, ten, five years of me studying, researching, and practicing before I found my wife, 10 years of us practicing together. So I'm 15 years deep in research and practice and study. Um, and I can tell you... <sighs> There's, there's an art and a science to it. The art is how y'all want to live your life. Everyone wants their relationship to be different, wants your own unique blend and magic in there. But the science is, you know, there's people who've done research. There's, there's a group, Gottman.com. They did 35 years of research on 3,000 couples and figured out the exact seven things. If these seven things are present, the relationship works. If you screw up any of the seven things, the relationship ends. It falls apart. Wow. It's like, damn, 35 <laughs> years of research, 3,000 couples, there are seven things that have to be present. So as a couple, how do you track and measure those seven things? It, we're not guessing. Like, right. Same thing with happiness. Happiness used to be this thing. Like you fly to Tibet and you go up in the mountains and you meet with some monks and maybe you can find happiness somewhere in the hills of, uh, of, of a foreign, beautiful, majestic place. Yeah. Harvard did research on happiness. They figured out. Happy people versus happy, um, what was it? Happy, neutral, or unhappy people. The happy people are better surgeons, better doctors, better, better managers, better leaders, better salespeople, have happier marriages, are healthier, live longer, and everything in between. They're like, holy crap. And then they're like, what does it take to be happy? And they've written books on the research, and it shows like, here are the things to do each day, and you will be happy. Hmm. And then people are like, oh, can you really be happy all the time? I'm like, I don't know if you're willing to do the things. Right. <laughs> and you want to be. Not everyone wants to be. Same thing with a relationship. They're like, could you really have a great relationship all the time? It's like, I don't know. Are you willing to be a partner? And are, are you willing to do those seven things every day? Come on. If you are, you got it. And so yeah. my thought is you need to hang around people who are committed to doing stuff like this. Otherwise, you'll get the standard feedback it shouldn't be that hard. If, if you know, you'll know, right? If it's that much work, it just might not be the right person. Right. You hear all these things. Oh, or when you get older, here's my favorite. Uh, just say, yes, dear, whatever you want. That's really the magic to make it work. 
I interviewed like 30 couples who were all over 60 years old, who'd been married for 20, 30, 40 plus years. And, and it was so sweet. I'd ask them like, you know, what really helped? And they told us stuff like having a functional org chart. I was like, like a corporate org chart. They're like, yeah, you all need to come to an agreement on who's in charge of what. And one person's in charge and the other one supports. I was like, at the time, I was like, that seems so, ugh, that doesn't <laughs> seem romantic. Now that yeah. we have a child and multiple right. businesses, she, my wife is the CEO and, and runs our Performance Coach University. I run our business accelerator and high-performance ventures, and I'm partners in high-performance marketing machine. Like, we have a bunch of businesses going on and partners and all kinds of people around. Yeah, we need to know who's in charge of what. <laughs> right. Because otherwise, she'll start something. I'll go in and throw my two cents and change it. And I was like, whoa, my bad. She's in charge of that. She gets the final say in that category. I support. Now in different category, I'm in charge of it. I get the final say. She supports. And mm -hmm. we agreed, we made an agreement on those things. So going back to that video I posted on compromise, yeah, I hate the word compromise, just in general, in life. Sure. Because it feels like you're giving up things that matter to you. That's what it feels like to me. It doesn't feel good. And what I learned over time was compromise was alignment. Compromise was getting into alignment and agreement. And then it's making a deal. It's saying, ah, here's the alignment. Here's what we're both wanting to accomplish. Here's the agreement. Here's how I think it should be. Here's how you think it should be. Let's rate those, you know, positive 10, negative two. Let's give them a rating on how we both feel about the options. Let's find the option with the highest rating, according to both of us. And then let's make an agreement that says we're agreeing to go with this option because we feel it has the highest odds of success in alignment with both of us. And it's like, ah, that doesn't feel like a compromise. That feels like agreement, alignment, and evaluation. Yeah. And, and so maybe I just don't like the word and that's my own thing in life, but <laughs> it's that concept of can you create a process for people where in the beginning, I'll warn you, it feels a little lumpy, but mm -hmm. over time you start to get used to it. And then you go so much faster. It was like Tiger Woods learning a new golf swing. In the beginning, everyone thought he was crazy and he totally threw his career away. But mm. once he nailed it, he went further, faster, stronger than ever before. And everyone was blown away. Yeah. And so it's the same thing. It's being willing to be a little clunky in the beginning of learning a new process. But once you get the rhythm of it, 90% um, of your arguments will disappear. The tension, the anger, the frustration will evaporate. Um, it's, it's really amazing what happens once you get into the rhythm of it. Man, that's oh, so good. There's one other piece. Yeah. I always ask people, how do you think your relationship's going? And most of them say, I mean, it's great. Yeah, things are fine. Yeah. And I go, okay, that's cool. When's the last time you wrote down a zero to 10 score of how you feel it was doing in each category? Zero to 10 in communication, zero to 10 in support, zero to 10 in appreciation, zero to 10 in putting your partner first, zero to 10 in making their dreams come true, zero to 10 in sexual intimacy, zero to 10 in, in, in spiritual connection, all these categories. Like, when's the last time you did that? Most people kind of go like, um, answers never. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I say, okay, here's what I want you to do to find out if you need help or not. Write down your scores 
and without showing your significant other, ask them to write down their scores without showing you. And then at the same time, trade papers and show each other the scores. Hmm. I've yet to meet a couple that hadn't called me after that and goes, fuck, now what? <laughs> and I said, no. the scores weren't what you thought, were they? Excuse the language, but that's no, usually what they, it's usually what they actually say. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I never forget. I have a, a uncle who did this with my aunt and he wrote his score down. He was so damn proud. He had, you know, he was eight solid eights. Like they were killing it. Always room for improvement, but doing great. Yeah. And you know, he was so pumped to share and, my aunt wrote hers down and he, they traded and he was so proud. He's like, oh, we're killing it. And he got handed a paper that had a solid set of threes on it. Oh, no. I've never seen someone look like they got kicked in the gut harder in my life. Yeah. And I said, here's the crazy part. There's a lot of people who are like, crap, now what? And I was like, well, you're either going to find out now and choose to do the work to get those numbers up. Or you're going to find out with a stack of divorce papers down the road. Right. You choose. One's way more expensive. Yeah. Way more expensive. <laughs> and wow. painful emotionally. And, and your kids are going to be pissed. Like one is just wrecks the momentum you have in life. Yeah. And one takes effort. Hmm. And I need so, to go do that exercise. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot your numbers. Yeah. My wife and I have been married for 18 years and, and, you know, we come from a family of divorce and abuse and rejection and all, addiction, all that stuff. And when we said, I do, you know, we, not every year is rainbows and sunshine, but we've, we've worked through stuff and, you know, we've got this same goal of just to break those chains of divorce, abuse, rejection, and addiction and give our kids a different life than our, than we experienced, you know? And, yep. um, so it, yeah, I'm going to go do that with my exercise with my wife for sure. And I'm sure the numbers will be way <laughs> off, but it'll give us a good path to get back on. That's awesome. Totally. It'll give you a map. Yep. It'll oh, say, so good. Ah, I now know what we need to work on. So good. Uh, Jarek, you are an absolute world changer, man. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and sharing your story and these tips that are truly life-changing, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate it. I hope that my guest was able to bring you some amazing wisdom and knowledge to help you continue to fight for your goals, your dreams, and your purpose. If you could do me one big favor and just hit that subscribe button, I would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Keep changing the world. I believe in you. Have an amazing day.